Well, we sure are glad to see you this morning, and welcome to Fairdale Christian Church. I hope you uh, got some sleep last night, because all of our neighbors have decided to celebrate the 4th a little bit early, and uh, hopefully you, your neighbors aren't like, or maybe you are that neighbor, and it is not the 4th yet, guys, but uh, anyway, we're, we're glad that you're here. Hope that you got a great weekend plan. Hey, I got just a couple of things I want to, we want to make sure you know about before we jump into the message too much. Uh, one, if, if you're new to us, if we haven't had the chance to kind of introduce ourselves, we would love the chance to just say hi. If there, there is a special card in the back of the seat, it looks like this on the screen behind me. It's called a belong card. If you just take a couple seconds to fill that out and stop by our next steps area, we've got some staff and some volunteers who would love to meet you. We've got a little gift for you. And also at the end of the service, if you say, you know, I really... You know, where I'm at in life and what's going on with me, I need somebody to talk to, need somebody to pray with me, the, the Next Steps volunteers would love to, to do that, and you'll be able to meet with them right after the service out in the lobby. But a couple other things we've been talking about for a few weeks. One, uh, on August the 7th, we're going to be celebrating a really special day called Back to School Blitz. We're partnering with other local churches to just go and serve some of our community schools. And so really, this is going to happen because of your guys' generosity. So we're, we're adopting four. I think we're in talks with a fifth school right now that we're going to take care of the grounds uh, and just get them ready, like weed eating and mulching and all that kind of stuff, just making sure that the school's ready to go. And uh, so we'll, it's not just us, but other churches around the city of Louisville. And we need you guys to volunteer for that. If you'd like to be part of one of those teams going out, you can sign up in the lobby. I know a lot of you have already, and we're looking forward to that. And that Sunday on August the 7th, I keep saying this, but I know somebody's going to forget, but August the 7th, we will only have one service that day. It'll be this service at 9.30, and then at 11 o'clock is when we'll be sending the teams out. Now, if you say, you know, I've I got a bad back, or, you know, I'm not much, not much good with a shovel or whatever, it's cool because we've got uh, some projects that'll be here at the church as well that's kind of low impact. So this is for everybody. We would love for you to sign up and be part of that great day. And, and listen, this is next Sunday for our students. If you've got a middle schooler or a high schooler, next Sunday is going to be a day that they won't want to miss out on. We're going to be having this ultimate Nerf battle war. And, uh, you know, I, if I, used to, I love Nerf guns. My kids love Nerf guns. And so we're going to make sure all the kids have goggles so nobody loses an eye or anything like that. But uh, hope that you'll bring out your kids or grandkids next Sunday. From 12 uh, to 3, so it'll be right after the second service till 3 o'clock, and we're providing all the ammo for that, so if they just want to bring a Nerf gun, if they don't have a Nerf gun, we got plenty, we'll, we're happy to share, but hope, hope that they'll come out for that. Now, I'm in this series called Retro Summer, and we've been talking about some of the great stuff that came out of the 80s and the 90s, movies. Music, man, some of the best. Now, I've been listening to, on, on my car, I've got, uh, I've got like satellite radio, so I can just listen to different channels with no commercials, you know. And one of the stations is, you know, 80s music, and one is 90s music, and I've been listening back and forth. I think I like the 80s music better than the 90s. I don't like Backstreet Boys. That's just garbage, you know. I don't, I don't care. Now, Megan, on the other hand, she was a big fan girl or whatever, but I don't like that. I don't like the, the Backstreet stuff. But, uh, but I was thinking about some of the really defining songs and movies of the 80s and 90s. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a little bit of a lyric, and I want to see if you guys can finish it for me. Okay? The first one is uh, pretty short. 
867. Man, you were quick on the draw there. That, that was good. All right, all right. I got, I got another one. Um, just a small town girl. Living in a lonely world. You guys journey, man. Who doesn't like journey? Uh, okay, okay. How about um, a film, all right? I'm not going to tell you what film it is. I'm just going to tell you a line. Do the truffle. Shuffle. Now, what, what movie is that from? The Goonies. The Goonies. I, I think about that scene. I just, I, oh, man, that's just scarring for life. So good. All right. Here's one more. One more. Roads where we're going. What is it? We don't need roads. Now, what, what movie is that from? And guess what? This is what we're going to be talking about today. You want to talk about a film that defined an era. I don't think you get any better than Back to the Future. Unless you've been living under a rock the last 37 years, everybody has probably seen this movie. Great film, great music. It came out in 1985, and, uh, and we've never been the same since. There's a couple of, couple of great takeaways, I think, from, from that film. Number one, Marty McFly. It's the coolest name ever for the coolest guy ever. I mean, it's just awesome. And remember his, uh, and I think it was the second one where he had this little hoverboard thing. Like, I'm still waiting on that to be developed. Where I was promised that we were going to have those floating hoverboards by now. But uh, the other thing is, another takeaway for me from the film is, I would love, I would love to drive a DeLorean just because of the way the doors open. I, like, I just think that is so super cool and awesome. But the, the other thing that's a takeaway for me from the film is that the choices that we've made in the past shape the future. And that's what that movie's all about. And if you watched it, you, you know that, you know, or you think about it, if you could go back in time, if you go back in your life, what would you change? What would you do different or tweak? You know, I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, if only I had known then what I know now, you know, there's probably a lot of things we would do differently. But none of us have a chance to do that. But the good news is, is that the decisions that you make right now, what you choose to do in the present, absolutely affects the future. We can't go back in time, but, but the decisions that you and I make, the small little choices, they seem so small and insignificant. It's kind of like, well, does this really matter? Does it really make a big difference? But they add up over time, and you really are a product of your choices, where you are in life, you know, what, where you live, what you do, who you're with, what your health is like, all of those things are the sum total of the daily choices that you and I make every day. And they're small, but they add up. And that's the main theme of Back to the Future, is Marty McFly, if you've seen the movie, you know, if you haven't seen it, that's what you need to, you need to order that on Amazon Prime this week and watch it. But Marty McFly goes back in time, and, uh, and he helps his dad to overcome his fear and be more of a confident guy. And, uh, and then, you know, through the course of all the stuff that happens, then he goes back to his time and his whole, you know, his whole life is different and in a better way. You know, he's got like, the, remember the truck at the end? I mean, that's just awesome. I still want that truck. It's just really, really, you know, he's kind of like the choices that we make affect the future. Much of what you do every single day is actually not a result of the decision that you make, but it's, it's a habit that you already have in your life. Uh, Duke University did a study in 2006 
and they found out that, this is mind-blowing to me, they found that 40% of the actions that you take in a given day are not a result of decisions, but they're a result of habits. 40%, almost half of everything that you do in a given day is not because you've made a choice to, you know, do I go this way, do I go right, or do I go left? It's just habit, creature of habit. I get up, I make coffee, I, you know, I watch the news for a little bit, I go to work, I, you know, do, do these things, and, and just kind of in sync and rhythm, those are my habits, that's my life. 40%, almost half of our life is just kind of cruise control. And that's why if you want to change where you're going in life, you, you've got, if you want to change who you're becoming in life, you have to change your habits. Because life is just sum total of the choices that we make and the, and the habits that we have. And what I really want us to understand today, and we should never underestimate how God can start something big through small little choice. Through just something that seems so, so insignificant, so tiny. I came across a book called Atomic Habits by a guy named James Clear. And his, his challenge in the book is that the biggest difference between winners and losers is the decision to make changes and have a plan. And he talks about this fact. He says, you think about this. He says, we all have goals. All of us. Uh, you know, if, if you get married, your goal is, you know, I want to have a good marriage, right? I, I don't want to be miserable all the time. If you, if you start up a business, your goal is, I want to make money. You know, I want to be able to provide for my family. If you're a coach, you want to win. That's the goal. Winners and losers. We have the same goals, is what James Clear writes about in this book. And he says, every Olympian wants to win a gold medal. Every candidate wants to get the job. And if successful and unsuccessful people share the same goals, then the goal cannot be what differentiates the winners from the losers. It wasn't the goal of winning the Tour de France that propelled the British cyclists to the top of the sport. Presumably, they had wanted to win the race every year before, just like every other professional team. The goal had always been there. It was only when they implemented a system of continuous small improvements that they achieved a different outcome. And, and I love this quote. I'm going to have it on the screen for you. It's just so true. This is, this is the difference between those who want to succeed in different areas of life and those who actually do succeed. It says, goals can provide direction and even push you forward in the short term, but eventually... A well-designed system will always win. Having a system is what matters. And committing to the process is what makes the difference. You've got systems. Every one of us. Every, and, and no matter what your life is like and no matter what your career looks like, you say, well, I just work for somebody. It doesn't matter. You still have systems. And there are systems in the place where you work. Either systems that they've created on purpose or the systems that they've allowed and in our life the habits that kind of make up our routines and, and the way that we what we set our focus to those are all these systems it's all the choices that we make and this is what he says when you commit to the process of of improvement those small little those small little decisions every day they add up we can't go back in time like marty mcfly and change the past but we can 
if we want to make our future better, we've got that opportunity right now. There's a lot of great passages of Scripture that remind us of that and help us to point us in the right direction. But where I wanted to camp out today and spend a little bit of time is in Proverbs chapter 3. Now, the book of Proverbs is what's known as wisdom literature. It's a bunch of little statements. You know, you read Proverbs, a verse or two, it's really good, and they're all kind of, you know, they're all kind of memorable. But, uh, but it's really deep, deep truth and deep knowledge. And this is what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. And if you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Now, I hope those two verses grab your attention. The, the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon, who is King David's son. And both King David and King Solomon, they, you know, both, both uh, very talented men, had great uh, potential and abilities, and both had very serious struggles with sin. But what I, what I really like about this, and you know, Proverbs is, is, is wisdom literature, a lot of practical insights for how to live a great life. And right here, this is, this is kind of a practical one too. He says, you know, my child, don't forget what I've taught you. This is... Solomon writing to his, to, his, to his kids, and it applies to us too. It's like, yeah, that's kind of practical. If, you do, if you've got a wise parent that's hoping to point you in the right direction, if you listen to them, it's going to turn out, pretty, pretty, you know, it's going to turn out better for you. And, and these are a reminder, kind of a throwback to the Ten Commandments. You know, all the Ten Commandments, they're kind of one line, one statement, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, those sort of things. But there was one that was different. It was... Exodus verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 12, said, Honor your father and mother, and then it had a promise attached to it. It says, Honor your father and mother, and then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That's the only commandment that had a promise attached to it. It's literally saying it's important that you listen to your parents, and when you do, you'll live longer and life will be better. And, and that was in a generation of people that... It was important. Knowledge was passed on from one generation to the next. It was important that we looked out for each other. It's, it's this practical thing. You know, listen to the wisdom of your parents so that you avoid the mistakes that'll mess up your life. And that's what he's saying in Proverbs 3. He says, if you listen, if you listen to these words, if you will make this a focus of your life for all practical purposes, you're going to live longer and better. Your quality of life is going to be so much higher. And when I think about the, the staggering number of people who are bored, and we talked about that a few weeks ago, and depressed and frustrated, they keep making one costly decision after another, their lives just keep moving backwards and say, man, I wish I could go back and change that. My life would be so much better now. This is our shot. This is our chance at a better future for, for an opportunity for a successful and satisfying life. What are the changes that we need to make? Well, here's, here's where it begins. It begins with who I am. You think about the sum total of the choices. What makes up you? What are the things that you do? What are the habits? 40% of your life is just habits, and that's who you are. What do we need to change there? Proverbs 3 says in verse 3, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. 
Tie them around your neck as a reminder and write them deep within your heart. And then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. That's a lot more than just setting a goal. That's not just saying, oh, I'm going to be a nice person. I'm going to be a good person. I want to be a better person. This is, this is how. This is how I'm going to live as a better person. This is a system. It's a roadmap. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Always make sure that's a part. Now, that's, that's a message that's pretty much opposite to how many people are living today. Uh, when it comes to loyalty, we're pretty much just focused on ourselves. It's me first and everything and whatever I want, whatever I want to do. Loyalty pretty much means, you know, I'll stick with you as long as I'm still feeling it. But at the moment that I stop feeling it, then, then that's it. A few years ago, I, was, uh, I, had, I had a couple that came to me, this young couple, and they wanted to get married. And so they asked me, said, would you do our wedding? And so we're sitting down and we're talking. We're kind of going through things. And, uh, and I remember we, at one point in our, in our talks, we were talking about vows, you know, what they mean. Like these are promises. These are promises that you're making to each other in front of your friends and family and in front of God. And you're saying, you know, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and health, like no matter what happens in life, I'm going to be loyal to you. Like, I'm your one and only, and you're mine, and we are pledging ourselves to each other, right? I mean, that's, that's the vows. And at one point, we're kind of going through that, and the bride, bride-to-be, says to me, she says, now, I was wondering if we could change that one line. There's one line that I really don't like in there. And she's deadly serious. She says, instead of saying, until death do us part, could we say, or, I'm sorry, instead of saying, for as long as we both shall live, could we say, for as long as we both shall love? I said, no. <laughs> no, we can't change it. She said, well, why not? I, I just don't like that. That sounds kind of, uh, I don't know. What if, she says, well, what if, we're, what if we're not feeling it at some point? Like, what if, you know, 10, 20 years from now, what if we're, what if we're just not feeling it anymore? Then what? And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe you, you shouldn't get married then right now. If that's, if that's where your mind is, the back door's already cracked open, you know? I'm like, I don't think you understand. You're not getting this commitment thing. What you're saying, for as long as you both shall live, that means that on the good days and on the bad days, even though you're getting wrinkles, and even though sometimes you throw your clothes on the floor, and I wish you'd quit doing that, but I've been, you know, it annoys me. Even with all of those things, we're going to keep working through our issues, and we're going to fight for this relationship, and we're going to find ways to communicate and, and we're going to work together as a team. That's loyalty because it's saying every day I choose you. Every day I choose you. But again, we kind of live in a society where people are standing at the altar in front of their friends and family. In the back of their minds, they have already got the back door cracked a little bit. That's not what Proverbs 3 is saying. Let loyalty never leave you. Last time I checked, never means never. Like, for life. This is kind of like, this is the type of person you want to be. You want to live long. You want to live a satisfying life. Be a loyal person in all of your relationships, all of them. As a parent, as a grandparent, as a spouse, as a co-worker, as a friend. And kindness, that we, we would be the type of people who, that we, we say, we, we do the things that we say we're going to do. That people can depend on us. And we do it in a way with kindness. That's the first part. I, I, I was thinking about that. That's another thing that's just, whew, in a lot of ways, it's missing from our culture. 
I was, uh, I was talking to my mother the other day, and she was saying, you know, it's, it's so funny how people are just, they're just mean. And I don't know if it's just like people are worn out or what, stressed out. She says, people are just mean. And she said, I went to this restaurant the other day, and uh, I was ordering. The waitress was taking our order, and uh, she'd ordered a baked potato. And so the waitress went back to the kitchen. She comes back out a minute later. She says, I'm so sorry. We are all out of baked potatoes. And so my mom's like, oh, that's fine. No problem. I'll just get something else. And she's like, no, I, I am so sorry. Like, I, I, I apologize. I told you we had them, and we don't. Mom's like, oh, it's, it's fine. No big, no big deal. I'll get something else. She, no, no, no. I, I'm telling you, I'm so, and she's just going on and on about how sorry she is. And my mom's like, the only thing I can think is that she must have customers that come in and just would flip the table over and say, well, you don't have baked potatoes, and forget you, you know. I don't know what, but that's the culture. It's like, where, where, what happened to kindness? You know, what happened to, to people just being on the, on the same level there? That's what Proverbs 3 says. Never let that leave you. Never let it leave you. Loyalty and kindness. Then he goes on, he says something else that's crucial. Another change that we can make that will change the future. Who do, who do I want to become? Will we change what we do? What are the choices? What are the habits? What are the things that you do like clockwork? Every day, these are the things that I do. What are you trusting in? Well, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says we should trust in the Lord with all your heart. And we love that verse, but very few of us live it. We can trust in the Lord sometimes, you know, in, in good times and in happy moments. Yeah, trusting in the Lord, but it says trust in the Lord with all your heart. That is your full self. And don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. One of my favorite books of the Bible and favorite characters in the Bible is Daniel. And I remember learning, you know, when you're a kid, I was in Sunday school, and we would learn about Daniel in the lion's den. And a lot of people have heard that, you know, they're somewhat familiar with a guy named Daniel that was in the lion's den, and God kept the lions from eating Daniel. You know, a lot of us kind of know that story. But, but what a lot of people forget, or maybe what they didn't know, is why he was in the lion's den to begin with. You know, Daniel, he was there, but what, what happened that he ended up there? It was because, at the time, the king had issued a decree that no one was allowed to pray to any god other than the king. So, like, you couldn't pray at all, period, the end. And if you do, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. And, and one thing we know about Daniel, he, he's a great man. God did a lot of amazing things in his life. And I would argue that one of the main reasons why was because he was a man that had a system. He had healthy habits. There were things that were a part of his life that shaped who he was and, and those small choices that he made every day. They made him who he was. And we get a glimpse into that in Daniel 6, verse 10, that says that when Daniel learned that that law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem and he prayed three times a day just as he had always done. And he gave thanks to his God. That was his rhythm. And you know, that passage in Proverbs 3 says, Do you want to live a long and satisfying life? 
You, know, you want to find joy and happiness and peace. And the, Here's another part of that. You've got to learn to trust God no matter what. That's like a major, major key. When you learn to trust Him, trust and obey. Don't depend on your own understanding, which is, again, easy to do when things are good, when life is heading up and to the right. Yeah, I trust God, I trust God, but how difficult that is when, when things happen. That's when trust goes out the window. You know, God's Word says you, you can't do that. You, you have to keep trusting even when it doesn't make sense. When I get the diagnosis back that I didn't see coming or when I, you know, all of a sudden I've got a pink slip at work or, you know, the, the uh, economy takes a downturn or there's something in my, in my life that just shocks me, jars me, knocks me off my feet, what do I do? You keep trusting even when it doesn't make sense. You lean not on your own understanding. And Daniel learned that if he prayed, he, he knew, if, if I pray, I'm going to be thrown into a lion's den. Right, that's going to happen to me because that's the law now. And so what does he do? Well, he, he went and prayed because that's what he did every day, religiously. And we may be thinking, you know, well, this is a confusing and scary time in my life. I don't know what to do. So I, I guess I, I, I will, like if I think about myself, if I were in Daniel's position, I would be thinking, well, okay, what, what do we do now? What do we do next? Maybe I would be tempted to close my windows. It says Daniel prayed with his windows open. Maybe I'd close my windows and kind of draw the shade. Say, I'm still going to pray, but I'll make sure that nobody can see me. You know, but Daniel, he just trusted. You remember when uh, pro baseball pitcher Dave Dravecki, you remember that name? That's kind of a throwback there, but he was, he was diagnosed with cancer in the early 90s, and he had to have his arm amputated. And Dave is a Christian, and for a while he put up a good front uh, in dealing with his illness. He, uh, he, he denied any depression whatsoever. He said, he, you know, I'm good. And then, and then it seemed like the cancer might be resolved. This is before his arm was amputated. They thought uh, he was getting some good news. And so he even wrote a book about uh, like his comeback after his first round of treatments were successful. But then it, it got worse, and his arm had to be removed. And he was forced to give up professional sports and so as time went on for him he began to lose hope and he was just wrecked with discouragement and it was in the in the middle of that time real he, he's described a very dark time of his life somebody wrote him a letter trying to encourage him and they suggested to him they said dave you need to just focus your mind think about sunshine thoughts and, and his response was classic. This is, what he, this is how he responded. He said, I'm sorry, but to me, forcing your mind into sunshine thoughts when you're depressed is like standing in the rain and denying there's a storm. Faith is not denying the weather that sweeps over your life, but it's believing that behind the clouds waits a faithful God. That's, that's what it looks like to trust and to not lean on your own understanding. We trust God at all times, regardless of what's happening in our life, regardless of where we're afraid it might be headed. We continue to trust. We know that there's a good God that is waiting behind, just behind the other side of this. And there's one more thing I want to look at today. If we're going to implement healthy choices and healthy systems in our lives to live better, we have to focus on how we live. 
It's what we do and, and how do we live. Proverbs 3 says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom, but instead fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Never underestimate what God might do, something special, something powerful, something that impacts a lot of people, if he starts with one small, one single act of obedience. Our God loves to take small things, small acts of faithfulness, and do something special through those things. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't, be, don't, don't just lean on what do I know or what do I think I know, but understand that God is calling us to, to do something, to live distinctively. Because this is something that I'm still learning. Uh, and, and I want you to know I, I don't have this perfectly figured out yet. Uh, it's still a work in progress. But I'm learning that the most important part of my life, the most important part of my life is not what I'm getting or where I'm going or what I'm doing but it is who I'm becoming. That's the most important part. Who am I becoming? What is the work that God is doing in my life? And the only end goal that ever matters, I mean, when you boil it down, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is, am I becoming more like Jesus Christ? And if the answer is no, then everything else is wasted. But am I becoming more like him? How am I living? Does my life reflect anything of him? Proverbs 3 says we have to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's a daily call on all of our lives. That's one of those parts of Scripture I think a lot of us would like to gloss over maybe. Maybe ignore. There's some parts, you know, we just, do I have, can I just ignore that part? Fear the Lord and turn away from all evil, choosing to live more like Jesus. The problem many of us have, myself included, is sometimes... It's just easier to love our sin. It's just easier. And sometimes it's a little more fun. We, we recognize that sin. I mean, we know that it's wrong. And we, we say, yeah, this isn't what God wants me doing. I know that. I know that this is not what God wants me to do. This is not what he intended for my life. But you know what? I just love it. I just can't give it up. I just don't want to give it up. I want to I keep loving it. And you know what's wrong with that? You know what, what, what the issue is with that problem? Is it's wrecking our lives. It's messing you up. It is messing you up. And it seems like small decisions, but they're adding up over time. And it's who you've become. It's, it's holding us back from that successful and satisfying life. It's why our relationships keep falling apart. And it's why our lives are always so complicated. And it's why our health is in bad shape. And it's why our mental health is out of balance. Because we have become so consumed by our sin. And we love the sin so much. And somewhere along the way, we decided that evil was better than being healthy. Till the moment we finally throw up our hands and say, you know, I can't take this anymore. Until we get to that moment, we're going to keep repeating the same patterns of behavior. We're going to keep repeating that crazy cycle. But if we will come before the Lord in humility and say, you know, God, my way of doing things hasn't worked out too well. 
I thought I knew better. You know, that's what Proverbs 3, if we put that verse back up for just a second, it says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't, be imp- don't think of yourself too highly than you should. You think you got this figured out. You don't. You think you, think you know better. You don't. God's ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. But we've got to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Don't believe the lie that you know better. Because, and, and that you think your way is the best way. But we turn to Christ. And we turn away from our wickedness. We turn away from our sin. We determine that every decision that I make matters. Every single one. That means that this one little sin is not just one little sin. That means that this one healthy decision, this healthy habit, it's not just some small little insignificant thing. It matters. Every small habit, the tiniest of choices that we're making today will impact the futures that we will live. May we always strive to be more like Christ. Why would we ever want anything else unless we could use it for his glory to be more like Jesus? And if that could become the driving force of your life, if that could be the main thing, nothing else matters but that I'm becoming more like Jesus, then success is not somewhere out there. You can be successful when you're obedient to Christ. It's not, it's not some big result that's five years in the future. It's in a single act of faithfulness and obedience today. I am successful because I honored the Lord today. And my hope and my prayer based on who God wants you to become is that we will begin with that one small little act of obedience. Say, God, I know that you've called me to this. Help me to take this step. Help me to take the step that you've called me to do and then help me to find joy there and know that this is, that this is putting a smile on God's face. You know, when we do that, the small little things, we, maybe it wasn't big, but we were faithful in something small and when we're faithful in something small, boom, 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 I'm faithful in the small things, Scripture says that he will put me in charge of more things. I'm faithful in little things. God will trust you with big things. So you're faithful to a few. God will trust you with more. But don't kid yourself. You're not successful when you get more. You're successful when you're faithful today. So that's my hope. That's my prayer for you. If you need somebody to be praying with you about that or you want to talk to somebody, stop by our next steps before you leave. But let me pray for us this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful to us. You have never, ever abandoned us. You have never let us down. But there are moments, God, and I know that you know there are moments in life where we wonder if you're going to be with us. Are you going to walk with us? Lord, help, just, just help us to remember that even no, no matter how we're feeling, that you are a faithful God, that you are loving us, and that you are steady Help us to keep in step with you. Help us to keep taking the right steps at the right time. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. See you next time.